You're listening to Wealth Tech on Deck, a podcast about the future of wealth management technology, brought to you by Life Yield. Here's your host, Jack Sherry. Welcome to Wealth Tech on Deck. Our podcast conversations are focused on wealth tech strategy, where I talk with industry leaders about their views on the future of digital and human advice. Thanks for joining us. Much like I do every day, I'm going to have a discussion with a wealth tech leader, and we're going to talk about enabling advisors and their clients and firms to enjoy improved financial outcomes. Today, we're here with Eric Clark, CEO of Orion Advisor Tech. Eric, thanks for joining us today. Thank you very much, Jack. It's it's an honor to to spend some time with you and really look forward to doing what I can here to 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 be of value to your listeners and and to the viewers of your podcast. So thank you. Thank you, Eric. It's great to uh, be able to to chat with you as we have uh, I've been fortunate enough to to do from time to time. So what I'd like to do to to kick it off is. Uh, if you would share your journey around wealth tech, you've worn a few hats along the way. How'd you get your start? We'd love to hear some of the highlights of your career, and then we'll get into what you're working on today. But uh, give us a little background. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, Jack, after I finished grad school at the University of Utah, I was an asset uh, manager wholesaler out in Northern California. Absolutely loved working with advisors in the Northern California Bay Area. The business that we were running at that time was a family business, uh, CLS Investments. We were a a third-party asset manager, and we were having some operational challenges. I think I I complained too much about those operational (laughs) challenges and was was asked to move back to Omaha to to fix those. We had an incredible staff, uh, people trying to do the right thing, but I realized that part of the problem and the challenge that we were facing was that we needed better technology to run our fiduciary RIA business. And in the mid to late 90s, you know, all of the technology that was available at that time was was built around supporting brokerage business or commission business. And we were doing business on an advisory fee basis. So it created an opportunity born out of necessity, if you will, to come up with a business plan and you know start the company that today is Orion. So in December of 1999, we split the companies apart and at that point we were off and running building the technology foundations that that are the underpinnings of Orion today and we had uh, baked in our first customers so to speak that was anxiously awaiting all of our new releases so that they could get those implemented within their business and make their offering uh, better. When I founded the business, Jack, one of the things that I thought was really important is that, you know, we, we offered the technology out to other advisory firms, you know, so that we'd have the ongoing resources that we needed to, you know, improve the technology offering because, uh, you know, one thing about running a tech business is that uh, what is current today is incredibly dated tomorrow. So, you know, we're constantly evolving, changing the offering, making it better, you know, putting it on the latest and greatest tech platforms, leveraging the latest and greatest tech tools. And so it's certainly evolved over the years. Uh, Today, we support just over a trillion and a half dollars of assets on the tech platform across 2,500 
independent fiduciary RIA firms and, and enterprises that are doing fiduciary business uh, today. So it's it's evolved. It's a segment of the market that in the mid to late 90s was a segment that was incredibly underserved. And today, there are so many great tech choices for independent fiduciary advisors to choose from that it's it's really changed the whole dynamics of how financial services are offered how financial advisors are able to operate and extend their their knowledge and expertise out to clients and that's something that's been incredibly exciting to be a part of that's great of course we share something in common i started in this business as a wholesaler myself and uh one of the great training grounds because you learn very quickly between advisors and their clients all the things you can do better. And uh, I know I've used it in my career, and clearly you've you've done the same as you've built out. Orion, we'll we'll get in, into it in a moment about what you're working on currently. But I, I, it sounds like uh, you had a similar experience of being well trained by your by your clients. Absolutely, and some of those advisors, you know, I still keep in touch with today. I think they've been some of the most impactful mentors in my life. You know, looking back, uh, the patience uh, that they extended to me, you know, when I was first getting started, again out of grad school, was pretty impressive and very generous on their part. Certainly, yeah, yeah. Well, you listened. That's that's the most important thing. So that brings us uh, to today. You've uh, had a series of acquisitions. You continue to build out your capabilities. Orion is really an impressive organization in its, both its depth and breadth as you serve both uh, advisors and their clients. So take us through some of the acquisitions of late. Uh, Why did you do them? What do you hope to achieve? Where, where's it all, where's it all headed? But more importantly, what are you working on now? Yeah. And, you know, as we look at the acquisitions that that we've uh, done over the past, oh, say three years, you know, they've all been uh, founded on the underpinnings of an advisor's value proposition. So when we look at ways that we can help drive value back to our advisors, we, we think of that in terms of four strategic pillars. So areas around helping advisors prospect, plan, invest, and achieve better outcomes for their investors, right? So as we look strategically at what we can be doing to help enhance the advisors that we serve help enhance their value propositions out to the investors. We we take a hard look at, at say, for example, the prospect area. What can we be doing to extend uh, the reach that we have out to help our advisors win more than their fair share in the marketplace? Mm-hmm. You know, win win more investors than than they would otherwise. Sure. And that is why we bought the advisor financial planning business. Um, not just because they had financial planning technology, which which we found incredibly compelling, but because they had an online uh, client portal experience that was in, right in line with that, the likes of personal capital. So it allowed us to take a marketable client experience to the 2,500 advisory firms that we serve. And that that got us pretty excited about what we could do uh, to help enhance the value proposition around, you know, the prospect uh, area of our uh, strategic pillars. Uh, the second is in uh, planning, obviously. Before you move on, if I could just uh, pull you back a second, because I, I know how important it is, but maybe expand on this a little bit, just about that user experience. It sounds like arguably uh, planning can be considered a commodity, Sure. It has a lot to do with the user experience, both at the advisor and investor level. If you would just expand on that, because I know that's an important part of, seems to be an important part of your strategy. 
Absolutely. You know, when, when advisors look at buying technology, I always like to, to think of it in uh, solving one of two problems. One, it's got to either create a better client experience or two, it has to drive internal operational efficiency for the firm. So it's, it's got to be one of those. It's got to drive either a better client experience or it's got to drive, you know, better margin, better operational efficiencies, you know, reduce risk, reduce errors, those types of things. So when you when you think of terms of, you know, that planning experience and being able to extend an engaging planning experience, it's a game changer because, you know, historically plans have been these these, you know, 100-page printouts they have been akin to getting a root canal type experience to, to get everything pulled together. And then they sit on the shelf and collect dust for five years. And then they're pulled off and looked at and, oh, everything's out of date. We got to redo it. Well, what Advisor had done was created an engaging planning experience that uh, involved the investor every time they log into the portal. So that plan became a living and breathing experience as opposed to something that was, you know, printed out and, and put on the shelf. And that we felt was a big game changer in the area of not only user experience, but but quite frankly, the advisor's value proposition again. Mm-hmm. And talk a little bit about uh, the recent uh, uh, merger acquisition with uh, Brinker. That's pretty exciting and, and seems like new turf that you're you're taking on. Absolutely. So we we do have an open architecture, you know, model marketplace that we call communities. We we make that model marketplace available to all of our advisors that are leveraging our technology and advisors that then want to outsource, you know, the running of that technology and and want an additional services layer to the tech. We offer that through Orion Portfolio Solutions. We were hearing feedback from our advisors that they wanted to have better capabilities around proprietary asset management within the offering that we had so that we could come in and actually make discretionary choices for their portfolios and picking uh, sub-advisors, that sort of thing. And so when we had the opportunity to merge our business together with Brinker, it uh, was something that we were instantly excited about because it matched right up with the feedback that we were hearing in the marketplace from firms that that not only wanted to outsource the running of the tech to us, but they also wanted to outsource the portfolio construction. So again, you know, outside of this industry, you know, you would think of it as a tech business with an additional uh, software as a service layer on top of that. You know, inside of the industry, we, we call that services layer a TAMP business, but it was uh, a big, big enhancement in our TAMP capabilities to be able to merge our TAMP business uh, with the Brinker Capital business. So one, one of the observations I've made, I've, I've known uh, Chuck and Noreen and the team at Brinker for a very long time, I think since near the beginning, it's been, they go back that far. And they've always had a, a very strong and similar orientation, it strikes me, as you've had at Orion, around really knowing the, the advisor and knowing how to serve them well. And they've really done what I call value-added wholesaling or value-added tech or value-added services and programs. And I know that Orion has built on that. Talk a little bit about how that comes together because there's a lot going on there and you already have plenty of capabilities, as do they. How does that all – I'm quite sure it has to do with it. I'd love to hear about this. It has to do with how to better serve the advisor. But what, what do you talk about that, how that all comes together? Absolutely. So whenever we combine our business with with another one, have that type of opportunity, we, we truly take a step back 
and look at the best way that we can integrate our businesses together, integrate our offerings together, you know, so that so that we're not uh, operating siloed businesses with sometimes uh, in certain cases, you could even see competing interests come about as a result of that. So, so first and foremost, we integrate our offerings so we can have a unified experience, a unified voice out in the marketplace. And, you know, a really a unified service offering with the advisors that we're working with. So, you know, we, we look at ways we can integrate it. But as we do that, we always want to learn from, from these other companies. We want to bring the best experiences forward. And to your point, what Brinker was doing in the service area specifically was best in class. And so we're implementing so many of the incredible things that they were doing to uh, serve advisors, you know, right back into our core business here at Orion. And we're pretty excited about some of those those improvements that we're making. Probably, I would say the hidden gem in, in what Brinker was doing was in the area of behavioral finance. And uh, we're pretty excited about being able to bring some of those capabilities forward as well. Could you expand on that a little bit? One of the things I'm observing as um Frankly, the complexity of our business grows as as people look to manage at the household level with multiple accounts and products and, frankly, custodians and just money all over the place. And, and increasingly, it's, it seems to me, and, and I know in working with many firms, that bringing it together is paramount and it's a challenge. As you well know, it's complicated stuff. So there's that technical operational side that has to be considered but then there's the behavioral, which, frankly, given the complexity, it seems to me that uh, what has to happen is uh, we need to set it up so that the next best action that an investor advisor uh, or an advisor might suggest and an investor might uh, employ, behavioral becomes really important, uh, understanding the mindset. So what's the next appropriate thing to do given their their age, their life circumstance, that kind of stuff. Expand on that because I know Brinker, uh, Daniel Crosby has a, a great capability. How are you bringing that together? Where do you see that going? Uh, curious about that. Yeah, you know, look, we're we're in an industry that's the value proposition is evolving all the time, right? From uh, being centered and focused on investments to being focused now more recently on planning, having a planning centered value proposition. But in the future, you know, because of the incredible technologies that have uh, made, you know, tax optimization, uh, you know, available right at right at your fingertips, like all the great things that that you and your company are, are doing, Jack, you know, all of those uh, then free up a whole new skill set to come about that I think ultimately lead toward solving the investor problem as opposed to solving the investment problem. You know, going back decades ago when when I started in the business, you know, Dalbar, you know, would show uh, the average investment return versus the investor returns. And there's always this big gap, right? That's That's led by bad investor behavior, selling uh, low and buying high, and those those darn two emotions of greed and and fear get in our way over and over again. And so, being able to take the the work that that Dr. Crosby's doing and infuse that into everything that we're doing here at Orion, we think is going to be a game changer for our advisors' ability to truly understand the investor, truly connect that advisor-client journey in a very meaningful way that will ultimately drive better investor outcomes through better investor behaviors. 
So it's going to start with things that we're doing as we reach out and engage uh, prospects. It's going to follow through to the way that we engage that prospect and investor through the planning process, what types of investments we connect them to, how we evaluate and look at risk in the portfolio, and ultimately, how are we reporting back out to that investor in a meaningful way that will help reinforce and drive better investor behavior. What's fascinating to me is that our industry is dominated by finance and accounting degrees, right? Myself included. And, you know, as we look forward, I think that we're going to see a lot more emphasis inside of the industry on having, uh, you know, degrees that are, you know, potentially dominated around behavioral psychology and, uh, Hopefully, we get to a point where we're really understanding the investors that we're serving in ways that we can drive and create value back in in, uh, in very meaningful ways. Well, I couldn't agree with you more. And uh, the, my next uh, question is around where the, this all leads. So I'll give you my two cents on the matter. Sounds like we're of a similar mind, but I'd love to have you expand on it. Did a paper with the Money Management Institute a number of years ago, along with Ernst & Young and we looked at uh, well, I think the title of the paper was Modern Wealth. Not I think that was the name of it. In other words, what does the future look like? And really, what we described was a unified managed household. But an important aspect of that is not only the technology and all the bits and bytes and all that, the investments and the accounts and all the stuff that we tend to spend a lot of time on in our industry. But it was really about how do you pull it all together and how do you set it up so that the investor. Uh, an advisor, really led by the advisor providing counsel as as we go, setting up that next best action, that next best thing to do. And it might be setting up a Roth. It might be putting more money into a 401k. It might, you know, it could be rebalancing the accounts. It could be asset allocation, location. And the four uh, areas we identified as levers to improve outcome were cost, risk, tax, and social security. So the cost is if you lower the, the cost, you have more money at the end of the day. Risk can be managed in such a way that it's not only meets your objectives and comfort level, but it can help you sleep at night. And that can be quantified, actually. Uh, a client of ours is working on that with BlackRock, uh, Morgan Stanley. Tax, obviously, single biggest cost. And then one of the ones that, frankly, we didn't think much of, we we have a social security tool used by 90,000 advisors, but we we thought it was that, was that, well, that's kind of an easy one. You just tell them when to take it, and it's usually a delay, and they have more money, and everybody wins. But what we found is it really is part of the whole, that you need to tie it all together, that uh, determining when to take it indicates a delay, and that, so what do you do in the meantime, and so on. So Everything I just described, frankly, in my view, comes down to a a behavioral mindset in terms of how do you organize all that, but then also how do you make sure you're doing it consistent with what the comfort level is of the clients, especially as we're seeing this glut of folks retire. Uh, The the numbers, if you've been paying closely, I'm sure you have, the Pew just uh, reported that in 2020, four times as many people retired in 2020 versus 2019. And uh, the ALI just did a study that said that the 10,000 baby boomers that were promised to occur sometime in the future, well, it's happening right now, and that's going to 13 or 14,000. So 
we have this retirement crisis in my view and all the stuff I just mentioned and all the stuff you're working on as a company, as an organization is how do we pull it together to help the advisor, help the client do the right thing? And I think a lot of that has to do with the behavioral aspect, but I went on a bit too long there. Take it away. Does that make sense? Does that, does that fit into where you see things going? It certainly does. And, and you know, what a wonderful time to be in this industry, right? There's, there are four times as many people to help in 2020 relative to 2019. I think that just in general, people's anxiety levels were certainly higher as well, which drives additional demand. And not just to help them solve those four problems, but, you know, leveraging technology is, is uh, the good news side of, of that additional demand that's out there, right? So, you know, there are technologies like yours at uh, LifeYield that, that will help, you know, make those four areas that you mentioned, you know, much, much easier. You know, looking at cost today is is an easy exercise, right? You can you can leverage, you know, all kinds of different data tools to to look at costs and costs are coming down in this industry in, in big and dramatic ways. You can look at risk in insightful ways. I think that knowing the overall, you know, composure of an investor is really important right now and something that the industry has has uh, not put a premium on historically. We've done a good job at looking at risk tolerance and risk capacity, but there's more that we need to be doing there to understand the investors we're working with. On the tax side, you know, wonderful uh, tax and social security side, wonderful automation tools and capabilities. And, you know, I'd encourage advisors to even look beyond uh, tax alpha from an overall tax efficiency perspective, uh, you know, obviously asset location, optimization, direct indexing, all those things are important, but don't forget about those estate taxes. And I think estate taxes as we go forward are going to become even more and more important. But again, the good news is, is that advisors like Steve Lockshin have invested in technologies that are really helping to, to make that process a lot easier, a lot uh, more executable for the advisors that, that we serve, and hopefully bump up the number of households that advisors are able to serve so that they can take on this additional demand uh, with open arms, so to speak. So one of the things I congrat- congratulate you and the Orion organization on, and we haven't even talked about hidden levers, but there's a perfect example of a great company that uh, manages risk or helps as part of an ecosystem, uh, address matters of risk. The interesting opportunity, the challenge, uh, frankly, I think the fun is trying to, how to figure out how you bring this together to make it easier for the advisor to advise. Because as you're thinking about what we're talking about, this stuff's complicated. This, this stuff is not easy in and of themselves. But then when you put it all together, the complexity is really exponential. So what's your view on where's this all lead? Is this about coming, bringing it all together? It looks like what you're building at Orion is that. So talk a little bit about that, if you would. Yeah. So with the Hidden Levers acquisition, we we felt like what they were doing was going to allow our advisors to be in a very unique position to proactively drive better investor behavior. So, you know, quite frankly, somebody gets done uh, with a risk score, the portfolio is built and designed. Now they can, uh, the advisors can have uh, a very involved conversation with that 
investor or with that prospect and say, hey, what are your top of mind concerns? Well, hey, maybe they're worried about the a resurgence of the pandemic. Maybe they're worried about the mortgage, another mortgage crisis as they see, you know, property values being inflated. Maybe they're worried about some type of a, a bubble, a specific bubble in an area of the market. Well, what we can do is allow that advisor to then be in the driver's seat to stress test that portfolio that they've designed for that investor and show them, you know, hey, these are likely or probable outcomes. And and here are outcomes that are less likely, but things that we need to be aware of. How do you feel about that? And then proactively adjust those items in the portfolio to get the investor to a comfortable point. You know, I think all, all too often, we provide what's expected in this industry. You know, we provide an asset allocation. We provide diversification. Here's your tax uh, results. Here's how we can help you. But if that investor leaves the appointment with having their specific top of mind concerns addressed in a, a very serious way, then we felt like, hey, this will ultimately drive better investor behavior and something that we got really excited about because hidden levers was was well beyond solving uh, an investment problem. And they were looking to solve the investor problem by by driving better investor behavior with their stress test scenarios. And, and that's what we loved about that technology. And we got pretty excited when we when we had the opportunity to acquire that business. That's great. Well, it's been really uh, fun to watch what you've been putting together. I'm sure there's much more to come. I look forward to that. And we're going to need to wrap up here as we try to stay within our 30-minute time frame. Um, Eric, if you'd just share with our audience three key takeaways, what are things you'd like to make sure everyone knows as they uh, look at their business? Well, I always think it's great when we look at our businesses to constantly be looking for ways to disrupt ourselves as opposed to allowing another business to disrupt us. And and so it's always good to challenge uh, our own value propositions. And and we feel like strategically, there are four key areas advisors should be looking at around prospect, plan, invest, and ultimately achieving outcomes for investors. Beyond the the value proposition, I, I would really encourage advisors to get up to speed on all things behavioral finance. There's so much more that we can be doing as an industry there. And then lastly, uh, Jack, since you asked for three things, I like to challenge myself every week. Hey, what's something I could be doing this week to become a better person than I was last week? You know, how do I become, uh, evolve myself, challenge myself, maybe eliminate a, a favorite habit of mine or something that I need to be doing that, that could be just allowing me to be a, a better human being. And, and so I love that. That's become a habit of mine over the years and, and something that I love to do at the beginning of every week is give myself a challenge. And, and so if advisors are looking for a challenge, if nothing else, let's, let's uh, become better together, so to speak. Well, I'm going to steal that idea. I love that. I've uh, observed you as a very kind, thoughtful, and uh, effective leader. So I'm, uh, I will, I'm going to borrow that if I may. So Absolutely. As we uh, go to close, one final question we ask our guests each uh, week when we have our podcast. What's uh, one thing about you that's not necessarily work-related, but that uh, uh, you do for fun or something you're passionate about that's uh, outside the, the workaday world that you might would be willing to share with our, with our audience? Yeah, I, I 
uh, am a teammates mentor. So coach and Dr. Tom Osborne founded the teammates mentoring organization. I was on the board of our local school chapter, the public school chapter here in uh, Omaha for oh, eight or nine years of the teammates organization. I've been a teammates mentor for uh, right at nine years now and have been paired with a, an at-risk school-aged uh, youth that uh, we, we have lunch together once a week and spend an hour together. And I, like so many things in life, when you give of yourself, you get so much more back. And I love being a teammates mentor, but uh, if you live in an area where teammates uh, exist, great. I'd, I'd encourage you to volunteer to be a teammates mentor. If not, just challenge yourself to be a mentor to someone. I, I look back at my life, Jack, and, and the mentors that I've had. I mentioned some of those advisors, you know, when I was starting out in, in Northern California as a, as a wholesaler, they made all the difference for me. And so if we can, you know, pay it forward, so to speak, and be a mentor towards others, what a wonderful opportunity to make a difference in somebody's life. Probably not too many people know that that I've done that for the past nine years, but I absolutely love doing it and would encourage everybody to to do something similar. Very good. Well, thank you and congratulations. Uh, I have my own version of that and uh, it's among the most rewarding things I do. So uh, I share that with you. So I want to thank Eric for uh, joining us today on our podcast. This has been uh, not only a lot of fun, but very, very informative. So we've uh, just scratched the surface. I can, I can feel it. So maybe we'll have to do this again at some point down the road. For our listening audience, if you have enjoyed our podcast, please rate, review, and share what we are doing here at Wealth Tech on Deck. We are available wherever you get your podcasts. So once again, Eric, thanks so much. It was a real pleasure and look forward to the next time. Great. Thank you so much, Jack. Thanks for listening to this episode of Wealth Tech on Deck, our ongoing conversation about improving financial outcomes for all. This podcast is brought to you by LifeYield and produced by Reverb. Subscribe to future episodes in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can connect with our host, Jack Sherry, on LinkedIn and Twitter. And for more information about our perspective on the future of financial advice, visit our website at lifeyield.com. Music.